episode of Willits Pod is brought to you by alabamatrucknuts.com. It's very difficult to come up with a tagline for alabamatrucknuts.com because it's alabamatrucknuts.com, which is already quite intriguing. So we'll just say alabamatrucknuts.com again. That's alabamatrucknuts.com, baby. That is the sound of an Arizona Mucho Mango, which I'm sure is ice cold and refreshing. It came just now out of a bodega refrigerator. Here in Brooklyn, I'm Jesse from the internet. Um, Coming to Brooklyn tonight was not my best decision, um, nor was stopping paying attention on the subway and missing my stop. Uh, But, you know, we're here now, and I'm here, and I'm here with my friends uh, from the internet. Uh, Britt has... uh, as is often the case, laughed at me before anybody else. So, Britt, how are you doing? <laughs> good. I'm good. Uh, had, had, a, had an interesting day, but it is 7 o'clock almost my time, so that means I can stop paying attention to the rest of it. All right. Uh, interesting days for me as well. Uh, and also, we've got... I'll, I'll just go... Uh, I'm bad at picking who to introduce. I'm just going to point at the screen, and that is touching both Crystal and Britt. I think more of the finger was on Crystal's uh, Zoom square. Uh, actually, uh, you know, we, we do have... Crystal's here from the internet. How are you, Crystal? <laughs> I'm. You know what? I'm here. I'm looking at hotels in New York, and I'm going to just continue to send you until you say, this one's not murdery. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that is important. Crystal will be coming to New York later this summer, and we want to make sure that she is not murdered. That is our number one goal for any trip that one of our friends is on. Uh, come back from it. Uh, come back from it. <laughs> uh, much like that John Calipari video. And we lose. And we lose. <laughs> uh, for far too long, we have lost our, our other co-host here, but she is... Uh, Back with us tonight uh, from lands far and wide and narrow and islandy. And um, Keelan went to Japan. Keelan's here from the internet. How are you doing, Keelan? Yes, hello, Jesse from the internet. It's true. I went to Japan. It was cool. I'm still tired, though. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was What was the most interesting thing that you saw in Japan? Um, there were a lot of, a lot of interesting things. Hung out with some deer. That was cool. I did go watch a, a baseball game, which was cool. And I, I didn't know this at the time. Well, I found out at the time, but like, just got the ticket and it, I thought it was, I didn't really think about who, who I was going to see, but the other team happened to be, uh, the team Trevor Bowers on now, which I was <laughs> But he wasn't there, thank God, because that would have been terrible. Um, but the whole time I was like, oh, no, I don't want to see him. I think so. he's still in the Japanese minor leagues last I checked. Yeah, I saw that. There's like that video on Twitter of him doing the samurai celebration and then the yeah. stuff about how his number to be 69. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. All <laughs> very embarrassing. Uh, instead of talking about that dude, though. <laughs> Uh, let's let's talk about the much uh, much more enjoyable Max Scherzer, uh, who we only got to see 
uh, we're recording this on whatever day of the week it is that Max Scherzer pitched. I've lost track of days of the week. Uh, the Mets, it, it was the it's last Wednesday. game of the Mets, obviously. It was Wednesday. Okay. It's still Wednesday as we're talking. Uh, we got to, I actually didn't get to see Max Scherzer pitch at all today because I turned on the TV and it was the fourth inning and there's Jimmy Yacobanis on the mound. Uh, nothing against Jimmy, who did a fantastic job uh, bailing out the Mets this afternoon in that game against the Dodgers. Uh, I turned on that TV expecting to see Max Scherzer and had a little bit of a heart attack because uh, when your old man pitcher is out of the game in the fourth inning and it's 0-0, zero, zero, uh, you immediately assume that he has uh, broken his body in some terrible way that I continue to hope he does not. This desk is made of wood. Um <laughs> No, but it turned out that, and I will uh, read the, where'd my phone go? Uh, read the quote here. As soon as I find my phone, I just put it in that desk drawer handle. Uh, let's get this back. And we've got Phil Cuzzy, the umpire who ejected Max Scherzer, uh, with the following quote as reported uh, by friend of the show, Laura Albanese, uh, and uh, her Newsday colleague, Tim Healy, on the Twitter Crew chief Dan Bellino on Scherzer. So I guess it was not Bellino. It was, uh, it was not Cuzzy, but Bellino who became the spokesman here. Quote, the level of stickiness on his hand was much worse than it was even in the initial inspection that had taken place two innings prior. This was the stickiest that it had been since I've been inspecting hands, which now goes back three seasons. So you want to be a major league umpire. that that whole line makes me uncomfortable actually it's really gross it's one of those where like when you repeat a word often enough it becomes unsettling like you can't say (laughs) sticky that many times and not Mm -hmm. have it start to feel gross it sounds like he's the umpire is talking about a child Right, I'm having visions of like a that toddler age when kids are just sort of sticky all the time. I'm having visions of Max Scherzer as that. Yeah, Max Scherzer exactly. is like a three year old. <laughs> right, right, where they're always sticky and they just sort of have their hands on you at all times. What is this? Max has all those kids. He deals with that a lot. Well, he's got. He's got to come back to that up and be like. You want to see sticky? I'll give you sticky. Uh, no, that sounds terrible. Um, don't say that I to anybody. I know sticky, sir, and you are no sticky. <laughs> we got old Max sticky fingers oh, here over here. <laughs> Just a ridiculous turn of events, series of affairs. But that's, uh, and, and yeah, that was fun getting to see the entire post game. Like I rarely watch the post game show, but like I wanted to watch this one to, to see, uh, you know, Buckshow Walter and, and Scherzer each reacting. And it was, it was perfect. Go check it out if you didn't already. We'll put, put a couple of clips in the show notes and it inspired me to, uh, on the heels of uh, the the Steve Harvey 
video that I made to help to promote the, uh, not to help to promote, to help to make the way for the Alabama Truck Nuts League, um, which this week has a family. This I say this week as if the, the scoring period is only going to be a week. It's not. Uh, this is a slow-paced league. Uh, but, yeah, made a little Steve Harvey video uh, set to the game by Motorhead, which was Triple A's, Triple A? Triple H. Triple H's entrance music. Uh, Triple H, the uh, eighth uh, iteration of Triple uh, after Triple A and Triple B and Triple C, Triple D, Triple E, Triple F, and Triple G. <laughs> I was going somewhere with that. Oh, it's Steve Harvey. And then Buck Showalter uh, inspired me to, to do another thing that you'll see on our website soon, which is uh, or on one of our various channels. Uh, which is some kind of Buck Showalter uh, wrestling entrance montage uh, deal. <laughs> because all the batters, you know, all the batters and pitchers, everybody gets their walkout music, but the managers don't. I think that, you know, uh, Buck comes out of the, the dugout to argue. <laughs> I, I feel like that we need to take a moment, though, to remember that uh, you don't get entrance music and fanfare unless. Unless you are the boss. Unless you are Big Boss. Big Boss. Is he with the, the fighters still? I believe so, yeah. Yoshi Shinjo. Wow, My favorite Google now. Scenario. Go ahead. My favorite part of that whole scenario now is that for years it was just like uh, noted noted World Series DH Yoshi Shinjo as like a little bit of a punchline, and he's so much cooler than I think we uh, appreciated some twenty odd years ago. Shinjo, I'm on Yoshi Shinjo's Wikipedia page right now, and I gotta say this is not written uh, with necessarily a typical Wikipedia style. I'll, I'll just give you this. Shinjo ended his career in storybook fashion, playing for <laughs> years on losing teams in Hanshin, and despite playing in the 2002 World Series alongside Giants legend Barry Bonds, Shinjo showed emotion and shed tears as his final game crowned him a champion as he was a member of the fighter squad that won their first Japan Series title since 1962 with a four-games-to-one series win over the Chinichi Dragons. As Shinjo took the field for the top of the ninth inning in his final game, he was given a standing ovation from the home crowd. Before the inning began, he was visibly emotional. Although the final play was only close to him, left fielder Hichori Morimoto caught the final ball, the cameras all showed only Shinjo's dramatic reaction. <laughs> Traditionally, the players tossed the manager in the air for series wins first, but the players tossed Shinjo in the air first instead of manager Trey Hillman. And it continues. Uh, this is I, what, I feel what like he deserves. Throwing managers in the air is a terrible idea for starters. I just want to want to put that out there. I do not want <laughs> anyone to get any ideas if they should start throwing managers around because I don't think any MLB managers could really uh, survive it at this point. Maybe maybe a few, but it's a short list. Like, half of them are very old. First boat, you going to die if you try and do that. <laughs> Aaron Boone can't play basketball and not break himself. Like, look, this is not going to... 
I, I don't think Buck Showalter would really go through go through that experience well. Uh, what about Dusty? Dusty's feisty. He's he's getting up there in years, <laughs> but he's feisty, so he might be all right. He survived. Uh, Kepler would probably injure someone else in the process because he's like 0.2% body fat. So it's just like a way, way too dense of a mass, I feel like. Yeah. Scott Service, I think. Uh, maybe it's a, also proximity with Pacific Rim uh, being in Seattle. Uh, I go. think he might be our, our best chance. I, I feel like Skip Schumacher would also probably be okay. He's youngish, not real big. Yeah, Craig same same for Craig tall. Council. He's too tall, I'm afraid. Is though. he tall? Like, I have visions of... He, he feels tall. He may not actually be that tall. He's just how tall, a how tall does though. he feel? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I'll tell you what he's listed as. It's not tall. Six foot is, is his listed height on baseball reference. Okay, I, I definitely would have guessed several inches more than that. So congratulations to the uh, baseball height inflation uh, economy for succeeding in that one, I guess. <laughs> Craig Council with big height energy, is that a thing? He, he might be. Well, but see... So this is the interesting bit. He may not, he may be short, in fact, actually, because if it's less than a six foot, we know that that's a lie. We know that that's not ever true. Like, if anyone who is under six three, that is a lie, probably. I I will say this as a, you can believe it. As a person who is, uh, who is an honest six feet. um, Yeah, I'm listed at six one. Uh, (laughs) Right. Right. I me- measured. I did measure six one once, and I have taken that with me for the entire rest of my life. I am six one forever. <laughs> I, I do also have memories of a of, of an acquaintance of mine who played in the minors, who shall remain nameless, um, telling me that like it wasn't even him who did it. Like he just looked at his like listing on the roster page or something one year and was like why is this two inches taller than I am? <laughs> like, it's just like, like it's, it's just an institutional inflation at this point. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Like, you know, they're like, well, like, come on, let's give it to them. Right. Make them look big. But it's fine. It's fine. They should make them play in platform shoes, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but listen, let's go. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You can look like Spice Girls out there. I also think it's particularly funny, though, when you see, like, I'm just going to use this as an example. I'm not calling anyone out in specific. You see, like, David Robertson and Adam Adovino standing next to each other. That is is not the listed height difference, guys. (laughs) Come on now. Dave is not, not, Dave Robertson, not a big man. No, he is, he is a small, a small man, a small man, who I love very much, but... Yeah, Let's, like, uh, he is he is generously five eleven. I think that's what he's listed at, at least. He so is listed at five eleven. I see his ice girls. I feel like this is a very important question. Like, so we've got sporty spice, baby spice, ginger, scary, and posh. So, what players 
in your oh, opinion, or the Spice Girls? Important questions. Sean Doolittle is ginger. <laughs> which by the transitive property means Sean Doolittle is uh, married to Christian Horner, which is just, a <laughs> I just want to see them meet now. Like I just want a five minute conversation between Sean Doolittle and Christian Horner just to like see what happens. Can we? That's this that is, thought is going to haunt me now. All right. So, um, Sean, if you're listening to this, this is your official invitation to be uh, Will It's Penn's uh, Formula One and Spice Girls spouse correspondent. Uh, please get in touch. Uh, if, if that's, uh... You're going to have to look up his birth chart now, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Adam Adovino is listed at, at six five, so a six inch height difference uh, is listed yeah, he, between. He's, he's a he's a big guy. Yeah, big hulking dude who's four years younger than me, and uh, and as a result, um, got me thinking about that. I I don't know if we talked about this in the group chat or not uh, leading up to this. Uh, the dividing line between Gen X and Millennial being the 25th anniversary Mets video that came out at the beginning of the 1986 season and the 1986 <laughs> Mets A Year to Remember video, uh, which came out at the end of the 1986 season. Um, this was in the group chat because this is what, what led us to me being Spiders George. Um, yes, that is how we got here. My, my theory that... Um, Sure, I watched both of them and wore them out uh, completely, and that's why that's the dividing line. Um, mm -hmm. As I am, as we discussed uh, on on the last episode, the particulars of my birth on the the day that I consider uh, to be the dividing line uh, between Gen X and Millennial, the day Reagan was shot, um, as good as any. Oh. <laughs> So were you okay? So were you saying conscious, like like aware of what's happening on the day Reagan was shot, or alive? I'm saying that uh, I'm I am being the modest and you know not at all ego driven individual that I am. I I am saying that the day I was born is the dividing line, and that I am the perfect zenial. I was not yet alive when Reagan was shot. Sorry. But I hang out with guys that are like in their 40s. Like that's my prime. <laughs> what are you doing right now? Guys. Huh? What are you doing right now? I know, right? Like <laughs> hanging out with you. My husband's in the other room and he's in his 40s, you know. Like when I go to shows, it's like me, this little like tiny millennial girl and a bunch of like 40 year old dudes with like a can of beer and they're like comfortable shoes. And, <laughs> and I'm like, this is my prime like demographic. I am key though. They know, they know what they're about. I was supposed to go shoes. see, I don't even remember what they were calling the tour. I just kept calling it uh, the old man's tour with the friend that I was supposed to go with. When it was um, like Green Day and Weezer, and I don't even remember who else was on the list. We were supposed to go, and it got canceled and rescheduled like seven times because of the pandemic. And then the final reschedule was like a Wednesday, and I had like a I work for a living and couldn't go. 
But that is the reason why I'm disappointed that I couldn't go because that is exactly like that is my target demographic. Like we all want to be home by 11. Everybody wants to sit down periodically. We're going to wear sensible shoes, drink two beers and go home. Like I am going to see Death Cab. The next like show I go to is Death Cab. And the last time we went, like we were so excited because you could sit down. Like there were seats because it was in like a, a theater setting. Yep. And yeah. I was actually joking with my like massage therapist and I was like, you should be so proud. I put insoles in my Doc Martens and it really helps. <laughs> insoles in your Doc Martens is perfect. Oh, it's like perfect. so much better. It's, it's like walking on air. And he was like, wow, you right. are actually really old. It's like, yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I have Chuck Taylors that I wear once a year because they are four train green and I wear them on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and I put in soles in those this year and it was life changing. I, mm-hmm. I used to dread that one day a year because as much as I love Chuck Taylors and as much as I love that color and that particular shade of green and as ridiculous as those shoes look, um, they were wildly uncomfortable and I had started to dread it. But now I can look forward to uh, the one day a year when I wear those shoes, um, which still don't have the necessary ankle support, but you can get away with for a day. I right, wear you've got a lot insoles, of, it's not going to kill you. Yeah, I wear a lot of Chucks and a lot of Vans because that's just who I am as a person. But I'm telling yeah, you, yeah. you just put an insole in those shoes, life changing. Now I can go to like Dinosaur Junior again and not be in pain. Yeah, I, I I went to my podiatrist like a year ago, um, and was wearing Chucks, and he was like, "What what are you doing? You can't. You've already had ankle surgery. Like you can't do this." And I was like, "Look, I I am like twenty five years into living in Vans and Chucks at this point, so like we're gonna have to figure out a plan." He was like, "Okay, well just get get insoles at least." So that's that that was the compromise we settled but on. What if you what if you wear the high top version of? Chucks, like that's ankle support, right? It is not. That is what I wear because they are just canvas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I won't ask my podiatrist about that. That was about to say. I wonder if I can get her to agree on that. I'm I'm just saying, don't don't get your hopes up. My my favorite pair of shoes now also are all birds, and I feel terrible about it because I am also um, a 40-year-old white woman who works in finance in San Francisco. And it feels like a little little on brand. Like, it feels a little bit of a cliche, but they are truly the most comfortable shoes I own. I went... Crystal, do you have those too? Or you have some kind of Rothy's or something? Yeah, I've got some Rothy's and some Crocs. I have Crocs. I do also have some Rothy's, but they redesigned them a while ago, and my newer ones don't fit as well. They're not as oh, comfortable. Really? No, I don't know what it is. I walked the dog in my Crocs today, and that was like peak. I'm actually a very old woman moment of my life. Or I do that or very young, because my children continue to wear Crocs, uh, particularly the eight-year-old, uh, Sean, who we, we took, uh, I took him to buy some cleats uh, over the weekend. And he's like, I don't know how to tie these. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You never wear <laughs> shoes with laces because you just wear Crocs because you're the winner. Yep, Crocs <laughs> and socks. 
Um, I have matching Crocs with my almost 13-year-old son, and they are the same size. That's adorable. Yeah, that's precious. I love that. It, it, it does make me feel like, though, that I probably would only have learned to tie shoes. Um, the only reason I did probably is because it was the 80s and Keds were all anyone wanted to wear. So I wore mm -hmm. 8 million pairs of white Keds until they were out of fashion. And I started wearing those awful like platform sandals and stuff that we all subjected ourselves to in the late 90s. <laughs> I, I'm struck by something, uh, two, two things that have come back in my brain from earlier in the show. One is that I have no real conception of how tall any of you are uh, <laughs> and don't even know where I would start to guess. Like, so I'm going oh, to hang on to that for later. Um, the other one that I want to throw out is um, uh, Baby Spice Daniel Vogelbach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, gotcha. I was going to say Gavin Lux, but I think I like Vogelbach better. <laughs> yeah. I'm still uh, trying wait, to come up with Posh Spice. I was just going to say, I think Mark Canna and his designer sunglasses, maybe. That could be, yeah, that could be a good one. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very, very Posh Spice to be wearing, like, Prada or whatever sunglasses all the time. I was gonna. I was thinking Luis Robert, because he's always yeah. like styled, dressed to the yeah. nines. That's yeah. also a solid pick. But Posh Spice would never eat Domino's pizza, so I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. She since leaving the Spice Girls did become a mom, and that, to my knowledge, does increase your uh, tolerance levels for things like Domino's pizza. I don't know. She's, she still gives me like almond mom vibes. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, I, <laughs> she, yeah. I get, I get major like Glenna Paltrow goop mom. From Posh? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I read, I forgot. Don't ask. I don't know why I was reading this. Um, but I read something where Dave, Dave Beckham said she only eats fish. Yeah, so again, like uh, she the, the very much the Gwyneth Paltrow look I'm so interesting with my disordered eating lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I bet that Posh thinks that Gwyneth Paltrow is beneath her in some way, though. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I, I think so. Absolutely. Should. Yeah. Correctly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Posh has never made <laughs> her vagina into a public laboratory. <laughs> Uh, so she's got that. That we know of. did. <laughs> she does get some points for destroying that dude on the ski slope, though. <laughs> That's redemptive. She did wish him a good day yeah. on her way out. Iconic moment. Iconic court moment. For yeah, sure. that whole trial was just like, I hate all of you, and, and I want rich people to go live on an island someplace far away from the rest of us. just how I feel about Gwyneth Paltrow. I saw this really funny TikTok of someone making fun of that interview. And they, she was talking about the IV and she was like, oh yeah, I stole this from a chemo patient, but it's okay. And I was like, oof. <laughs> but 
at the same time, like, Gwyneth Paltrow is that evil, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that is the, the behavior, just broadly, of a person who uh, is so disconnected from reality that they have just lost all conception or probably never had any conception by virtue of the fact, like, who her parents are and stuff. Um, no, no conception of like the fact that we live in a society or like other people existing and having like needs, wants, and desires. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with Jesse here. Making a candle out of your vagina smell—that's like, who do you think wants? This? Yeah, like the, who asked the, for this? The worst thing that Victoria uh, Beckham has done is like have a skincare line, which like, that's yeah. fine. So does every other celebrity. I think she's like, like a. Hey, and British like people, too. British people need to think more about skincare because, like, <laughs> and, and to bring this back to Max Scherzer, um, sunscreen. <laughs> you are the palest people on earth, oh. except for the Irish, because uh, Ireland beats you in every single conceivable way at all times, including paleness. Uh, they also beat you in um, because they have uh, Catholic mothers, all of them, um, much like Jewish mothers. Uh, Those people do not go out without sunscreen. These Protestant wacko pale heads over in England, uh, they like to turn themselves into little tomatoes for some reason. And it's weird. I think we should be able to legitimately all agree that a nation full of people who seem to just not have a conception of boy we're super white if only there was some kind of salve or bomb that we could use to help prevent us there turning must be a into way. yeah gosh tomato so he's definitely scary spice right like are we in agreement oh yeah yeah 100% wait who okay. i will say that also Max. Max Scherzer. Oh, oh. It's Gary Spice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we <laughs> might be able to do this all out of mess. This is the hubris. <laughs> oh, I think we probably could. Yeah. 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 Good. Because we've got... The problem with England, it is, a, it is the hubris of the country that looked at the Pope and went, yeah, you know what? Actually, fuck you. Like, <laughs> and then it's proceeded apace for the rest of history. Like once you cro- once you cross that line, I-, I don't think there's any coming back from that. Like you have flown too close to the sun, and that's just your life now. So Pete Alonso is probably Sporty Spice based on his weightlifting in uniform ahead of the um, run derby. So that means we either get Sean Doolittle yeah. on the yeah, mats, which I'm that. in favor of, or we need to find a, a Met Ginger. I really want it to be Kodai Senga, but I don't know enough about him personality-wise yet to be able to make that well, Okay, call. so I think the question is, like, like aside from the hair color, which is limiting, what, what are we thinking are the defining ginger spice characteristics? Mm, that's a good question. It's Brandon Nemo. But I was going to say, what if... They, were fl- they have to be flirty. So it's not Brandon Nemo. 
Oh. She was the personality of the group. I mean, they all had personalities, but she carried them. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. I was thinking about, like, just him coming up and always smiling, like, coming up after a diving play, like, he's already got the smile plastered across his face, like, just very, like, Jerry, you would not, like, Jerry could go through, I feel like, a washing machine and, like, not come out with a hair on her head at all different. Um, I feel like I the, the aggressive although that's more smiling posh. is very baby sized though. Yeah. Mm. I hate to break this to you, but Ginger Spice was only named Ginger Spice because of her red hair. Well, well that's so, not helpful whatsoever. She was, she <laughs> was alternately sexy Spice, though. I believe at, at the time was... Well, in that case, it is Lindor. Francisco Lindor yeah, and he's exactly. also dying his hair red. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're going yeah, in the same place. Yeah. Fun fact. All right. Well, this is from Instagram, which is uh, a reliable source. The Instagram uh, account <laughs> Velvet Coke, uh, the first Google uh, search that comes up on this. Fun fact, Jerry Hallowell was originally named Sexy Spice, but they had to change it to Ginger Spice to cater to their younger audience. Each member of the group was ascribed to the nickname and identity based on her appearance and personality, thanks to the Top of the Pops editorial staff. So that was just as valid as as the process that we just went through here to name uh, (laughs) Sexy Francisco. Scary Max, uh, Poshmark, Baby Daniel, Poshmark. It certainly works. We've got a, a, a <laughs> Baby Daniel, Forty Pete. I love this because I was always Sporty Spice growing up, and Pete is my favorite Met. Sporty Pete. <laughs> Sporty Pete is fun to say. (laughs) It sounds like an off-brand hot sauce or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sporty Pete. (laughs) Right. I was thinking like a gas station, honestly. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what the geographic distribution of these, but we had Rotten Robbie. um, Which feels very much in... In 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 a, a style, isn't that a garbage pail kid as well? Oh, I think it, oh god, garbage pail kids. I think you might be right. And also, I just enjoy thinking about garbage pail kids because it's been too long. You're very welcome. I love them. Where does that place me on like the millennial <laughs> Gen X scale? I mean, I feel like that's still definitely millennial, but it's definitely like the uh, the older end of it. Elder, I am an elder millennial. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we had them. They were a thing that I was um, not allowed to uh, participate, or I was not allowed to buy them. I was able to trade my baseball cards for them if I so chose, but uh, <laughs> buying them was was not something that was allowed for uh, similar reasons to why I was. Uh, I think this is another good millennial Gen X uh, thing. I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons when it premiered. 
because it was too vulgar. I was not allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. I wasn't either, but I was... I remember the night this happened. I watched Red and Stimpy, and then I was with my siblings, who were both older than me, and they switched it over to Beavis and Butthead, and my parents were like, you can't watch this. And to this day, I'm like, what was the difference? <laughs> right, like, argue functionally, what is worse. the Ren and Stimpy is almost worse. Yeah. Ren and Stimpy can get away with a lot more being not human. Right. Yeah. They were they were on Nick too, which is wild. Nickelodeon was the bad kids channel. Well, and the funniest thing, my my parents didn't don't care. Didn't care. Like I was not not allowed to watch or listen to anything. Uh, But my mom did have a lot long list of things, and she was like, "Not while I'm in the room." Not because she thought they were like morally objectionable or anything. She just hated them and thought they were so fucking obnoxious <laughs> that she this... did not want to have to be in their presence. That was my mom with The Simpsons. Like I could watch it, but she hated it and didn't want it right. on. And it was always right. on at like dinner time, and she would be so pissed. Yeah. Right. So it's like usually watch it at dinner. Yeah, Beavis and Butthead was definitely on that list. Red and Snoopy was definitely on that list. Um, Garbage Pail Kids and that sort of thing were also on that list. Like tangentially that she was just like I, they're stupid and ugly and I don't want to look at them um, that's the whole point mom <laughs> yeah I just duh. I feel like the fact that I was raised by a woman whose entire parenting ethos is basically like well it's fine but I hate it it's probably like uh, explicative of my personality or something somehow it's just sort of, <laughs> sort of my whole vibe as an adult too which is like do whatever you want but just like that's stupid and gross and keep it away from me <laughs> Does that also explain your Yankees fandom? Uh, no, it does <laughs> not. My Yankees fandom is due to uh, my best friend is a Yankees fan, and we bonded over baseball when we first became friends. And at the time, it was very much like your team, my team. Um, and I will tell this very specific story. She sent me a video of a. It was an interview that David Robertson and Java Chamberlain did. Just like one of those like random like pregame sitting in the dugout kind of like pointless interviews. And it was for whatever reason, the cutest thing I had ever seen. And I was like, all right, I like this guy. This is entirely David Robertson's fault. Um, Which led to like, oh, I'll turn the game on like late innings if he's gonna come in. And then it just spiraled out of control from there, and now here we are. <laughs> That's lovely. I, I, I should also jokingly say I should also probably slightly blame Austin Romine, um, which is a sentence probably said often in other contexts. <laughs> <laughs> he was the he was the first like Yankees prospect that I attached myself to at all because I remember like he, probably again no one else remembers this, but. My brain is full of these factoids. He he debuted in Anaheim from Orange County on 9-11, and it was like a big, very emotional. His parents were there, um, and it was when his brother, his older brother, Andrew, was still playing for the Angels. So it was like him and his brother, both his parents were there. It was very sweet, and I am an absolute sucker for that kind of shit. That's, uh... yeah, I don't, I, I'm sure that I, was aware of that at the time, but it has completely slipped my mind. That's a nice, uh, it's a nice memory. 
like that. But what other things <laughs> can Andrew I, can often remind be blamed for? I think is is an important thing. Who left just the heels uh, well, on I the mean, bread or the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the clubhouse? I think we should blame Austin Romine for that. <laughs> well, I mean, he he has to prove himself to be um, a little bit on my shit list because he was one of the people who uh, couldn't travel to Canada when they had the vaccine requirement and stuff. So he was. Hmm. We were. We had a little bit of a falling out at that point. That hurt my feelings, knowing a lot of players I I loved couldn't travel. Yeah. 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 Oh, that that was surprising, especially compared to everybody else it could have been. That's the thing. The list of guys who fell into that category was like all the ones you sort of expected. Like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. But then a bunch of ones that you're like, "I, I thought you were smarter than that. Yeah. We kept, I know Keelan and I just kept saying, like, maybe he just got the one that only requires one shot and never went back and got his booster. Like, that, we were trying to reason with that explanation. Yeah. Yeah. I, was it, and I think uh, Paul Goldschmidt and. Yeah, he was, he was on that list. Mm-hmm. No one Arenado was on that list. It's one of the no. first times that we learned anything interesting about Jacob deGrom. <laughs> mm. Oh, okay. You're not just quiet and keep to yourself because you're quiet and keep to yourself. You're quiet and keep to yourself because your dream is living the Clive and Bundy life, isn't it? <laughs> Get enough money down there. Head out about 50 oh, miles man. to the west, and the <laughs> free state of DeGrom shall rise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, don't him. Only more. I, know. I, I feel like I need to take a moment yet again, I, I think not for the first time on the show, uh, to just thank Buster Cozy for one of the few times he had, a, had an opinion in public with saying, like, hey, science is great. Go get your vaccine, you dipshit. And that was like, again, he has, he has had a public opinion that was not like, I don't know, he played a good game, you know, like cliche bot. Uh, all of two times. One was during the lockout when he was like, man, they should just fucking pay the players. Uh, and one was about vaccines. And I, I respect him deeply for that. <laughs> well, I love that man. I will always love Buster Posey. Buster also like, tonight on, on TBS. He has not let me uh, down yet. So. Yeah. And and tonight, the star of the show for the for the TBS uh, MLB crew in a in a little cross sport uh, competition. Uh, be- before we, we talk about this, Britt, I'll let you yeah. pull that up if if you would, and, and then you can describe uh, what what your your beloved Buster Posey did this evening. Um, I have a little thought exercise the other day uh, as Shohei Otani was pitching in the rain, and um, and John Heyman tweeted that you know, they might want to delay the game before Otani's pitching out of a pool um, that maybe he was just warming up for his race with Katie Ledecky, which, which brought me to this thought exercise question. If Shoei Otani raced Katie Ledecky in a 1500 freestyle, that's her, her best event, the one where she holds the world record in like 15 minutes and however many seconds, if they raced each other and then she got one second for one pitch for every second that she beat him by, 
how many times would she make contact in that series of pitches? Ah. Wow. See, that's really I tricky. I have faith in her. Right. I have absolute faith that she would absolutely dust him. Of but course. Also, like, hitting a Shoyatani is incredibly difficult. So I don't know, like, that's a very good question. But, like, if she beats him by, like, five minutes, that's 600 pitches. and Or, or that's 300 right. pitches. And his arm is going to get tired. So she's mm-hmm. going to right. have an advantage there. Right. He's um, going to But she will also get tired from swinging that bat 300 right. times. I don't know what her weight training regime is like as as a swimmer. I don't know how they all have jacked up her body, so I don't think that's a that's that's something like you want to see like some freaky human bodies. Um, find find a swimmer and have them flex because uh, they yeah, they swimmers, blow up like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, what I was going to say that's also one of those things that I have questions about in terms of like her swinging. Swimmers are so ripped, but it's such a specific, like in such a specific way, like the the muscles that are primarily being used are just different than a lot of other motions. But that's also the same with swinging a bat, right? Like that's kind of a weird, not for a particularly natural motion. It's not really like a, like a functional movement kind of exercise. So like, I, I'm, I'm not a biomechanics person, so I'm not I'm not sure, but I'm curious, like, how how significant is the gap in what muscles are really the ones being used? Like, it's lots of shoulder and stuff for sure, but beyond that. It's a, it's a different shoulder motion. It's, it's, all, it's closer to throwing than to right. hitting, but you could still... Right, because it is closer to an overhead for, like, a three-quarter. Oh. We'll think about that one. Um, yeah. We were also Buster Posey. That was the other thing. Um, <laughs> and, and Keelan, I wanted to ask uh, how, like, is Shoei Otani as popular in Japan right now as he should be? By which I mean, um, like, his face is on at least three buildings in a city. <laughs> yes. It was insane. Like, it's weird because you definitely, like you said, you, he should be, and I expected it to be, and I'd heard it to be that way, but it was still insane. Like, they, his face is everywhere on ads, um, and for, like, cologne, face wash, sunscreen, like, crazy stuff. Sunscreen. It's like, oh, literally everything. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, maybe you should talk to Max. Kind of love um, Yeah. And then they had a channel that was sort of appeared to be, and I don't know because I don't speak Japanese, it appeared to be the equivalent of like ESPN, but literally everything was about Shohei Otani or just like generally the Angels because I guess also because people watch Shohei Otani, they know a lot about Angels players as well. So that was bizarre. Like literally every time I turned that channel on, I was like, good God, this is insane. <laughs> I feel like Artie Moreno oh, cool. needs to apologize to the country of Japan for that. Yeah. Because I think that's... 
Yeah, I, I hadn't put a lot of credence into any of the uh, Otani going anywhere uh, anytime soon. But um, just as a matter of like, he's got to be hearing from people back home. Yo, bro, you got to get on a different team because we are sick of watching this shit. <laughs> right. We love you, bro, but this shit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were super psyched about the uh, the samurai like home run hat for this year. So oh, yeah. Kind of funny too. Well, you know, it's a nice, nice little moment of cultural exchange there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I wonder how this will go over. And they were like psyched about it. So sadly, yeah, they had like a whole section on the news about it. Sadly, our end of the cultural exchange was sending that other guy over there who we won't, uh, <laughs> we won't come back to. And we'll, oh, we'll return to Buster Posey, savior of uh, saving baseball once again. Yeah. Uh, keeping all of the MLB on TBS crew from being embarrassed by making a putt. Uh, well, I, look, I I don't want to I don't want to cast too many aspersions because I'm not a professional athlete or really all that athletic in broad terms. Um, but also, uh, I will give Pedro Martinez credit that like a lot of those shots almost went in. Like, look, he wasn't he wasn't totally airballing it. It's fine. Whatever. Well, technique needs some work, but whatever. Bless her heart, Lauren Shahadi. Just what was happening here? Just it was a (laughs) they're having a little a little competition where they had Pedro Martinez not taking free throws because it was closer than that, but trying to make baskets. And Lauren Shahadi was trying to throw. I think they were actually wiffle balls, not even like baseballs. It threw some target. Buster Posey made a putt at the end after everyone else failed spectacularly. There was hockey involved. I forget who it was who was um, making the hockey. The other guy. The other guy. I think it was actually the NHL crew who I don't pay attention to. Um, But it was, yeah, it was was not the MLB crew's finest moment. But once again, Buster Posey coming through in the clutch. Yeah, Lauren Shahadi really, really struggled there to... Uh, <laughs> I feel for I, her. I, I feel for her, because I would not necessarily want that circulating on the internet. <laughs> who who was the uh, baseball, uh, the hockey part of it? Uh, now I gotta look this up. Because it was... I say, I truly yeah. do not even know, because I don't, if I've even really paid attention, I don't think I would have recognized who it was. I don't. I don't want enough hockey for that. I was. I was thinking. It. It looks like it was a real free throw, but yeah, Pedro took like twenty seconds to make one. And I was wondering, like, as I watched poor Lauren Shahadi struggle with this, and I'll I'll hold it up uh, to the screen now. Um, watching watching her struggle with the throws was yeah. There's the hockey. I don't know who that is, but that was quick. It. I feel like she might be restricted by her wardrobe here. Like not just the, the clothing, but the, uh, the, the remote mic setup seems, um, unhelpful. Oh, maybe. I also feel like, I also feel like she's probably, and that's probably not an ideal weight transfer scenario either. Yeah, her her arm mechanics are no good. You you got if you're gonna do that, you gotta either take take down the you know take off the heels or something. 
Although there are, uh, as I'm looking at this, there are no other women on the set, and Kenny Smith is out here wearing sneakers. No, she's wearing, she's got white shoes, at least. Eh. So that's uh, Buster Posey, Putter Bosey. I'm I'm waiting for him to start playing, like, some golf tournaments, because I just can't imagine it's, like, He's spending all the time playing golf by his own admission uh, and realized that when he started playing a lot of golf and when he played like Pebble Beach and stuff, he was like, oh, I'm really not actually very good at this. He's a perfectly fine golfer, I'm sure. Um, but I cannot imagine him being like, oh, no, I need to be better at this. Like, that's, I feel like that's just <laughs> hardwired in his personality at this point. <laughs> As we tie up the loose ends here coming down to the end of the show, uh, Keelan, I, I did need to ask your thoughts, opinions, um, feelings, emotions, vibes about um, the dozens of uh, Herbie Husker variations that were uh, <laughs> released to the world this week. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, well. I am pro- Herbie Huskers. I wouldn't call it evolving because he's going back to sort of his original form with those overalls on. So I'm here for it. You know, the other one was, they tried to make the other one too handsome and it reached this like uncanny valley point that was like, (laughs) why? Why are we doing this? (laughs) It's uncomfortable. So I'm glad they're turning. I haven't seen, and I'm going to look right now, if they have they made like an actual mascot like suit of him yet? To this point, I have I've not seen, seen that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, okay, I've only I've seen the doodle. Seen the have they had? Yeah, like the last. Ugh. <laughs> have they had their spring game yet? Because that seems um, like the moment. I don't think so. I don't think they have. Um... Not that I know of. I will have to. We got to keep that on our radar because the the moment that the new Herbie and the new Herb, well, we will be alerted to it by the internet in one way or another. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it looks like April 22nd. So it's this weekend. 1 p.m. Central. I was about to say it's getting late. That'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah. We, I, I'd also like I to keep, dive into the... I keep reading the, Matt uh, Rules there, too. Here's a... They all have... That's that's something that needs to be considered um, in the future, is to play actual college football games when they don't mean anything. Um, you, know, you got your 3-8 and eight South Carolina against your 2-9 and nine Vanderbilt. Uh, just adopt some spring football rules for for that scenario. Nobody needs to see those two teams playing like actual football um, at that stage of the season. Let's get them play like with some wacky rules, get like some of that XFL go for three shit. Um, I can't watch the XFL because the sound is too chaotic. Yeah. Like, it's very and the entire watch. production is, it's like dizzying, but the rules are mm-hmm. fascinating. Also, yeah. I, I can't differentiate the teams because they're all made up. 
they're all as made up as the teams in the Alabama Truck Nuts League. They all they all seem like teams that would be have been in like any given Sunday, like movie teams. <laughs> yeah, they're they're the football Both teams in a movie that doesn't want to pay the licensing fee to like use an actual team name and logo. <laughs> I mean, that has been the, for years, uh, biggest moneymaker for uh, startup football leagues is the eventual failed, uh, you know, the, the zombie IP that you can then <laughs> not charge as much as the NFL would, but you can still get something for your rights off of that. Um, <laughs> you've, you've just created all these spring, the, the spring football leagues are just B-roll generators. You'll be seeing the XFL yeah. in beer commercials yeah, for the honestly. next hundred years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, looking at the the updated Herbie, I had not looked at him side by side with the vintage one, and I appreciate that they kind of just took the vintage one and made him look a little bit less like he's about to commit a hate crime. <laughs> yeah, and in Nebraska these days, that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a, this is a positive move. Yeah, I appreciate that they sort of, you know, they made him more realistic. It looks like a co the corn is still in his pocket. Yeah. Well, you know, the corn is important. Like the other, Her the other Herbie obviously had like abs. <laughs> right. He was working out, doing a lot of arm workouts, and it just didn't, it didn't fit. It didn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the previous previous Herbie uh, definitely skips leg day. Definitely never skips arm day. <laughs> Much like, so you would think Nebraska swimming would be uh, top of the charts, but that also does <laughs> that. That reads to me on a level of like work that you do on a farm with corn. A lot of lifting, a lot of I'm doing things on a video screen. That um, yeah, that's all happening. A uh, lot, lifting lot of things that are not though, necessarily leg involved. Good well, way to throw your back out though. Got to live with your legs. But also, Kirby's got to keep that corn on him all times because Iowa is right there. <laughs> Always ready to steal your corn. Thinking about things like, how can we make the Hawkeye more racist this summer? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we'll see. I bet they can. Iowa. Yeah. Well, it's good to have Keelan back. We miss you. <laughs> Welcome back. Here, here's some strength. Glad I can contribute. Our friends in Iowa. <laughs> that's all. That's all the show is. It's just. It, it's nice to talk to friends and all that, but really, it's uh, for me deep down, it's about the Iowa Strays because they deserve <laughs> that's it. That's true. Got to got to bring it on home to Iowa. Oh God. <sighs> All right. Britt, do you have anything uh, anything else on your mind before we head out? Uh, I don't I don't think I do. No. Uh, okay. We've we've got one empty brain. Well, mine is also so that's two. <laughs> Crystal, you, you you emptied the tank here? I I have no brain actually, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Keelan, we're all depending on you. Uh, is there anything left in your brain? No, my dog is uh, trying to lick my feet a lot at this point. Aww. So I'm just trying to, avoid, trying to avoid that at the moment. <laughs> like tap dancing. <laughs> That's it. 
that's that's what I'm doing. That can either be really enjoyable <laughs> or really unpleasant, depending upon the dog and um, the the dog's general sense of behavior and your own feelings about feet. Although, uh, yeah, I I never enjoy having my feet touched, even in like a podiatrist's office kind of situation. Um, but you know, I had a golden retriever growing up, and uh, and he would lick my feet to wake me up, and and I always found that sweet. Um, so I think they mean well. You can't be mad at a dog. I mean, you can, but why would you? You don't stay mad at a dog unless you're a kid and it's a dog who like. Yeah, yeah, there are dogs that you can be mad at, like the the dogs are like where there's like a beware of dog sign, and you know those the, the big fierce sure. guard dog type dogs, and they they scare you, and, like they the bark at children, medicine. like yeah. yeah, you can be mad at those dogs. They're still good dogs. This All right, really the cool. show is uh, on the record as pro dog and. Uh, <laughs> anti-Trevor Bauer. So that's uh, that's our show for this week, and uh, we will maintain those positions for all time. So, uh, Britt, Keelan, yeah. Crystal, thank you. Love you. See you next time. Love you. Thank you.